God damn it, Belinda. That, so, I th- yeah, the official Zoom recording voice, I think, is now Belinda. It's really scary. Is there a better name for her? No, but every time it's like, this meeting is now recording. I'm wondering if that was something that they legally had to put in. I feel like it had to be. Uh, fun fact, my car's GPS is named Linda, which is actually one of my aunt's middle names. And she was like, oh, after me. And uh, I said, yes, she also yells at me passive aggressively and bosses me around and tries to control my life. And my aunt just got really quiet. Because what do you say? Uh, in, in health news, I think you'll find this quite hilarious. Uh, and listeners as well. So I had a physical in June. To which uh, some of my levels weren't where they should be because of my age. And with my family history, it's like, okay, we need to take a look at this. So I have to get a kidney sonogram, which is not a fun experience at all. Mm-mm. I couldn't eat. I had to have a full bladder. And there's a woman who's very tersely pressing on my bladder and telling me to hold my breath. I felt like the saddest sex worker in human history. <laughs> Just the saddest flopping around sex worker that has ever existed. So I'm panicking. I get a call from my doctor finally with my results. And the results are one kidney is small. That's it? That's it. That's all they tell you. That's it. One of my kidneys is smaller than the other, but they're both healthy. They're not atrophied. There's no signs of blockage or stones. Just one kidney small. I have named my smaller kidney Frederick. Uh, and he needs to pull his fucking weight around here. I was going to say, why does that feel like an Austrian history joke? Uh, it is after old Fritz, who was a famously gay diplomat and helped Americans win the War of 1812. And he was technically Prussian. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it had to be something. So uh, Frederick is my smaller than left side right kidney. But yeah, that was it. Just that was literally the call from my nurse. It's like one kidney small. Okay. It's like, is everything else fine? Yeah, they're fine. Just one small. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So that's my health update. One kidney small. So for everybody who just logged in and was like, I have no idea what the hell is happening. Welcome to Unfortunately Required Reading. Yeah, hi, welcome. Uh, I'm drinking mulberry wine out of a mug that says I am small and sensitive, but fight me. And it's on theme. Incredibly. Uh, So yeah, uh, I say that to our dear listeners, I'm not dying yet, or at least not any faster than anyone else, which is uh, quite a relief because I was concerned that I was. Uh, I had therapy the night of my sonogram and I was talking to my therapist about it and I was like yeah I'm just afraid it's going to be like cancer or something else and he looks at me you know we're virtual he looks at me and he says there is no option in your brain for it's going to be okay is there and I looked at him in a way that only a person in therapy can look at a therapist (laughs) and said sullenly no there is not all 30 years of my life have told me that there is never an option for things are going to be okay. There's I can't like, wait. Hmm? I was like, you've been prepared for the exact opposite for most of your life. Right. I can't, I love this kind of situation because I'm technically not wrong. 
there is something that is not correct. It's just not something that is immediately fatal. This is the best kind of scenario for someone with anxiety because I am secretly vindicated. I was right. Something was, you know, rotten in Denmark. However, it is not something that is going to kill me immediately. And it could have been here since birth. No one has looked at my kidneys. Uh, so we're celebrating my birth month. Uh, I would say that I'm excited, but I'm mostly just tired. <laughs> Which at this point feels appropriate. You should be getting a package later today. I don't know if they're going to throw it onto your porch or put it on the back porch like they tend to do. But it's still very on brand for you. That fucking terrified me when that happened. Uh, for listeners who are new, firstly, how did you find us? Secondly, <laughs> secondly, uh, I once received a package on my enclosed patio, but placed like by the door. So I'm guessing that this person like jumped my patio and placed it by the back door because it couldn't have been thrown. It was too neatly placed. We're digressing. Uh, what are we reading today? We are reading covering. We uh, already read it. <laughs> Arsenic and Old Lace. Yes. Which actually has a really good movie adaptation. So what do you mean actually? Because like that's lot, a shock. A lot of what we cover has really bad adaptations. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern is perfect. Okay, that doesn't count. Romeo plus Juliet, Baz Luhrmann, I would say, is quite good. It requires cocaine, but it's quite good. I would even say his Gatsby is good. Also requires cocaine. His Gatsby requires something. I just love that Gatsby is technically in the public domain and people are making gay fanfic and it makes me so happy. Oh, there's like gay fanfic, supernatural fanfic. There's a whole... um, slew of people on tiktok now wearing like women wearing gatsby suits like it's a whole thing i'm so happy it does though make me feel like people are missing the point yeah which is fine a lot of what i'm seeing i'm like oh so you're the guys who had like the uh gatsby theme party in college and just totally missed the point got it okay Okay, but I do love those. Like, I wanted to have, like, a Gatsby party and have it be, like, completely, like, in character, like, no phones, anything. But then I realized that the most radical part of that party would be a bunch of Black people with clothes that can read. (laughs) I had a fun moment where I actually forgot optics recently. I forgot about optics. In regards to what? So uh, I used to work in retail. We used to do this fun thing in retail where like you price your friends because we have sticker guns and we were idiots. Mm-hmm. So I was joking with one of my friends like, hey, you should put a price on me. Like, because I think that kind of is interesting. Like as like a weird, dumb retail thing, it's interesting. I forgot the optics of him being a white man and him putting a price on me as a black woman is hashtag problematic. Oops. <laughs> I just forgot. Because again, like working in retail, it was a dumb thing we all did. You know, you'd put a 69 on, you know, your work wife or something. You know, it was just a dumb thing that we did. Like, I completely forgot the optics of, oh, that happened. And it was bad. That happened. It was always undervalued. And it was very bad. (laughs) But I was priced at $420.69. 
which is funny good uh, house help crisis. I'm too mouthy. I would just be left in the cellar somewhere. Oh, I didn't say I'd stay in the house. I would just say I'd be sold to work in the house. <laughs> I did not. This would be like a Lollary scenario. I did not say that I would stay in the house for long. Just that I would be sold to work in the house. Uh, so yeah, we're reading Arsenic and Old Lace, which the play is incredibly similar to the movie TBH. Just go watch the movie with Cary Grant. Yes. Because Cary Grant. Like really the only major kind of change is that in the play, they're getting ready to go watch a watch another play as far yeah. as Moore and Elaine versus the movie where they're like secretly rushing off to get married. So Yeah, and that was only added for drama. Or realistically, if your local high school is doing a production, just go see them. Like don't be weird. Like have like an a, a you know corresponding student. Just don't be that adult who randomly goes to these high school productions. Unless you're like a, like, this is your actual job. Like a recruiter what? or something. Oh, I was like, yeah, what like, job like is- College drama program. <laughs> okay, like what job is watching children? <laughs> it was what a job legitimate is... concern. <laughs> I was like, what job is watching children act? Please. <laughs> someone needs where fuck this is dateline to catch a predator just get that guy just have like chris hansen be like have a seat right i, I honestly <laughs> i honestly feel like if you no real talk if you're one of those people who does not have a corresponding child and you're just like there to watch like high school football or high school like women's soccer or like a high school play or something you need to be on a list like, unless you have a corresponding person, they're like, it's your niece, your nephew, your cousin, whatever. That's fine. Even if it's like a pretty tangential relation, there has to be a relation. If like, there is no relation and you're just there, you need to be on a list. <laughs> just like Timothy McVeigh should have been on a list when he was one of the guys at Ruby Ridge saying how bad uh, Ruby Ridge is. No, he was at Waco doing that. He was at Waco telling everyone how bad Ruby Ridge was and passing out like pro gun stuff at Waco. Yeah, I can see this. And no one said anything. This is Timothy McVeigh. For those of you who are too young, Timothy McVeigh was the Oklahoma uh, city bomber, killed a bunch of people with a bomb, mostly children. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so Ruby Ridge was another incident of like white people gone crazy in the woods. That's really the only word I have to say, I'm sorry. Um, and it actually helped inform the playbook of Waco uh, with the Branch Davidians and somehow made it worse. Yeah. Somehow made it worse. Because realistically, they were like, they said over police radio, we don't want this to be another Ruby Ridge. And somehow it was worse. Um, but yeah, Timothy McVeigh, before he did the Oklahoma City bombing, was at Waco showing like open support for ruby ridge and like telling people the government is going to come take your guns away what's crazy too about waco stuff is if you're you're reading about it because this only happened like what 23 years ago 26 years ago Something i love how you say only and then mention like two decades <laughs> well you know half of us still think that like 2000 was last week so i i do uh, hold on i i'm gonna google oklahoma city bombing but incognito so they don't think i'm a fangirl 
I also learned that Columbine fangirls are a thing. What? Yeah. Okay, so I definitely don't glorify Columbine because if my parents had stayed married, that would have been my high school two years after the incident. Okay, so yeah, there's Columbine fangirls. They write fanfic. They do fan cams. Holy shit. Yeah, okay. Uh, So Oklahoma City bombing happened happened, happened, happened on April 19th of 1995. Because I remember it happening. I remember it seeing it on the news and freaking out and being the only person at my school on the day Timothy McVeigh was executed who knew who the hell Timothy McVeigh was. I was five years old. So I remember seeing it on the news and being like, this is bad. (laughs) That was about as far as my brain went. Yeah, I saw an entire documentary on Columbine fangirls. Uh, Look, I've glorified a lot of very sketchy people in my life. Most of them fictional men. Uh, Don't don't do that. We're not talking about the book. You want to talk about the well, what are we eating and drinking? So right now we are drinking. What is it? Elderberry wine. Yes. And that whole whole thing is because it will tie into this. Yes. Although I would like to point out the elderberry wine that is on the menu today does not have a combination of cyanide and arsenic and other chemicals that No. It is kosher though. It is kosher. It, it is kosher. I believe in the picture it's Manish Manischewitz. It is Manischewitz. Yeah, they get to get Manischewitz wine. Uh so fun fact. I was really excited that I could just go into Total Wine and buy this. Also, fun fact, most of your communion wine is Manischewitz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for you listeners out there, most of your communion wine is Manischewitz. Additional fun fact, that really intense grapey flavor comes from Concord grapes, the kind you're used to getting in jam. Which is funny too, because you also, if you went to a church like i did when i was very young that was very fundamentalist and they didn't have alcohol you got concord grape juice yeah you would get welch's because it's essentially the same thing yeah yeah when i when my first communion when we were practicing for it practicing i don't know whatever fucking indoctrination they did with children for that we would get classes (laughs) no because catechism is for uh confirmation yeah I was uh, so ours was a little different. Yeah, you were, you were Protestant, didn't matter. But um, ours was goldfish crackers and Welch's grape juice, <laughs> which was just a nice snack. I was like, that's Sunday school snack right there. Like, that's just a nice snack. So it was an incredible disappointment to go up and, you know, be like touched by the priest, not in a gross way, but like, you know, to have him like lay hands upon you, not in a gross way, and then give you like a flavorless waferette because it wasn't a goldfish cracker i just wanted another goldfish cracker remember like back in the day when dane cook was kind of funny and he oh, had the, the crouton of christ crouton of christ christ checks yes you open it up and, good morning <laughs> i wish he wasn't bad so i've seen dane cook on the fox lot which back when i was a lot cooler than i, I was before i moved to texas um He's he's a much smaller man than I thought he would be. I have not shocked all the time. Not shocked. Not not shocked in the least. Jeremy Renner take off in his leaf as well, which is a vehicle. It's not a um but Okay, thank you for clarifying because I didn't think I would need clarification, but my brain imagined some Hayao Miyazaki shit where he just like got on a leaf like Thumbelina. I really wish that that had been the case and not an electric. At first I was going to chide you 
for clarifying, but my brain fully conjured up like some my neighbor Totoro, my neighbor Totoro shit, and like he just hops on a leaf and just catches a breeze and flies away. <laughs> I mean, Jeremy Renner's stock in my eyes would rise severely if he did that. Uh, he still has some splaining to do. Yeah, just like uh, Jensen Ackles does for leaving Jared Padalecki out of the Supernatural prequel. I was really surprised about that. I was not surprised at all. Jensen Ackles is a shitty human being. Is he really? We don't have time to talk about this, but he is. It's especially great because now I'm wearing glasses and I have a very passive-aggressive mug. That gesturing was like, we don't have time to talk about this. What makes me really happy is I have that same mug in the cabinet downstairs and now I feel like I I should go get it. Mugs so much. And I've already caught this 40 minutes late because of the joys of windows crashing. My favorite still is the one that says, uh, I have no interest in being polite or heterosexual. I like the one that says I'm a college-educated, what is it? College-educated. Oh, college-educated feminist, evil slut agenda? Yes. I have that as a journal. Also, I have Shakespeare flipping you off saying, I deal with what I wanteth. (laughs) Uh, So do you want a short story long, which I also am pretty sure is longer than the play? Yes, yeah, so let's let's be honest. If you look up the uh, the plot of this, it's less than a paragraph, mm-hmm. but mine is several paragraphs because the plot know. is some fuckery ensues over old women. We open our story with a sweet old lady named Aunt Abby, a reverend, and a man he believes he is Teddy Roosevelt. This sounds like one of those jokes where you know religious members walk into a bar, but it is not. It is not. We find out that Aunt Martha is on her way back as she's been out doing an errand, bringing soup to a man who was in a terrible accident. So yes, oh, these must be two saintly women who care deeply for their community, right? No, think more Dorothea Puente, who we'll talk about more later. (laughs) Two police officers show up to pick up repaired toys for charity. The old woman asks Teddy to go get them from his room. He's excused and he ends up blowing a bugle and running up the stairs showing everyone that he is fully crazy and believes that he is actually Teddy Roosevelt, which is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Plants have been made to put Teddy into a facility called the Happy Dale Sanatorium. They've kind of been talking about that. Mm-hmm. Reverend ends up excusing himself from tea to go back across the cemetery to the rectory mm-hmm. and the police leave as well. Mortimer, their nephew, arrives with Elaine, who is his girlfriend and also the Reverend's daughter. Uh, this nephew is not into marriage. He's not really into the theater pieces he has to write regularly. However, they have led him to meeting the girl next door and also having Elaine think, oh, this is pretty cool. I get to go to plays. They are planning to head for the theater and get engaged. And Hel- Elaine ends up going to her father's house to freshen up. Mortimer ends up poking around the house. We get all these weird comments from the ants about Teddy having to, quote, dig another lock for the Panama Canal and also about checking out the window seat. And, oh, you managed to do this all by yourself, dear. There's also a reference to Mortimer's brother, Jonathan, who evidently is not a great guy and has been in prison for a while. Mm -hmm. As Mortimer is messing around looking for a stack of writing that he's been working on, he opens the window seat to find the corpse of a lodger. He immediately thinks Teddy is probably the one who did it, and he needs to go to Happy Dale a lot sooner than anyone was expecting. But then he finds out from his aunts that they have been poisoning lonely lodgers with specially made homemade elderberry wine. It's not for money or insurance. It's because that they worry that these men are suffering without having anyone to take care of them. So they decide to, quote, take care of them. 
The most recent victim is number 12. The first man who gave them an idea was a heart attack victim. But for each burial, they hold a religious service in the basement and Teddy digs a grave thinking he's helping with the expansion of the Panama Canal. Mortimer is thus very adequately distracted when Elaine shows back up and starts freaking out about how he's got to get his aunts out of the situation without involving the police. And they're going to have to take Teddy to um, Happy Dale and blame everything on him so that these poor aunts don't keep going, getting into trouble. He ends up calling off his date with Elaine, which she's really confused about, but like, okay, I guess it's important. Mm-hmm. Mortimer calls the doctor and judge to try and get paperwork taken care of so Teddy can be put in the facility quickly. And then a new lodger named Mr. Gibbs shows up. He is almost poisoned by the ants while Mortimer is doing things, but Mortimer manages to get the wine away from him just in time, shoves him out of the house, and tells him that his ants have developed a bad habit. Mortimer gets a hold of someone who can help with the paperwork for Happydale and tells his ants that he's leaving to go get it, and under no circumstances are they to let anyone in the house while he is gone. If that sounded crazy, it's about to get crazier. Yes, Jonathan, our friend who is mentioned very briefly, has managed to get himself out of prison and has had a lot of plastic surgery. In the play, they reference him as looking like Boris Karloff, which is really funny because Boris Karloff played the role for a really long time when the play was running. He was actually supposed to be in the movie, but there was a timing issue. So um, there's all that. He ended up doing a version of it later. Jonathan is in need of a new face and that happens to work out because he has a plastic surgeon with him named Dr. Einstein and this they've also killed the dude who is currently sitting in the car on the main street and this is in Brooklyn. (laughs) Teddy shows his new friend Dr. Einstein the Panama Canal and the plastic surgeon realizes that it's a super convenient place to hide the body because there's already been a grave dug. He and uh, Jonathan move the car around to the side of the house to bring the corpse in from the car. And the ants tell Teddy to move the corpse from the window seat down into the basement so they can hold their funeral. Jonathan and Dr. Einstein tell everyone to go to bed, which means what happens is the ants really go to the cellar to hold a funeral for the lodger they dispatched. And Jonathan and Dr. Einstein are moving the corpse into the window seat, which is now empty. Elaine arrives at a really bad time as she likely saw the car be moved and the body be put in through the window. So Jonathan shuts her in the cellar. The ants are dressed in morning wear. Mortimer returns. He fights with Jonathan and storms out to call Mr. Witherspoon before discovering the new corpse in the window seat. And Abby tells Mortimer, she didn't do it this time and pulls Aunt Martha to look. Mortimer figures out Jonathan must be responsible for all this. He tells him to take the body away and leave the ants alone. But Officer O'Hara happens to arrive just at the wrong time to talk to Mortimer about a play he's writing. Mortimer gives Jonathan an ultimatum to leave. Jonathan won't. Mortimer leaves to get Dr. Gilcrest and goes and ends up completely ignoring his fiance, who's clearly in distress. Dr. Einstein and the insane partner find Lodger's body in the cellar, and they think they're probably stepping on Mortimer's murderers. (laughs) murderers. And Abby and Martha admit to Jonathan that this is actually their handiwork. The ants and Jonathan compare notes and they find out that they've each killed 12 people. Dr. Einstein thinks this is hilarious and he and Jonathan uh, have had to travel the world to get this done, but the ants just stayed home in Brooklyn to do it. Jonathan wants to beat his aunt's record, so he decides he's going to kill Mortimer. The body of his last victim gets buried with Mr. Hoskins, which upsets the ants because they want to have a religious service. 
Mortimer gets Dr. Gilchrist to go to the cemetery and gets Teddy out there to meet him. Teddy pretty quickly shows that he is actually insane by calling Dr. Gilchrist Dr. Livingstone instead. Mortimer ends up talking to Elaine and says their marriage has to be called off because of the crazy in his family. He ushers her out of the house. Teddy signs his own commitment papers as Teddy Roosevelt. Jonathan plots Mortimer's murder with Dr. Einstein, which involves a whole uh, thing called, I believe it's the Melbourne effect or whatever, where it's just basically going to be torture. Dr. Einstein tries to convince Mortimer to leave. Mortimer is not listening. And he's talking about victims and plays who he thinks are really dumb that always end up getting tied up, which during this, he accidentally gets tied up. Uh, Dr. Einstein is like, I uh, can't do any of this. This is this is too much. So he ends up pouring out a glass of poisoned wine for both himself and Jonathan. But just as they're about to drink, Teddy plays his bugle and they drop their glasses. Jonathan is like, oh, crap, the neighbors are going to call the cops. So he decides he needs to kill Mortimer much quicker than expected. But Officer O'Hara happens to show up at just the right time, sees Mortimer tied up. And Dr. Einstein is like, oh, we're just uh, acting out a scene from a play. O'Hara is like, oh, I have a captive audience and starts telling the plot of the whole play he's writing. Jonathan decides he's going to kill O'Hara instead, but instead gets knocked out with a shoe by Dr. Einstein. Two additional officers arrive, having been out looking for O'Hara, but they call the police station to tell them to call off the big manhunt, which Jonathan thinks is for him. He ends up giving himself up, but he gets really pissed off when they end up telling him he looks like Boris Karloff. Mortimer manages to free himself. One of the cops recognizes Jonathan as an escapee from the Indiana prison for the criminally insane. Teddy starts talking about 13 bodies in the cellar to the police, but Mortimer's like, yeah, he's just crazy. He just signed commitment papers as Teddy Roosevelt. Mr. Witherspoon from Happy Dale shows up to collect Teddy, but they have to correct the papers to actually say Teddy Brewster. Aunt Abby and Martha decide they want to go to Happy Dale too because they don't want to be separated from Teddy. Mr. Witherspoon is like, but ladies, you're sane. So they start talking about the bodies in the cellar. Dr. Einstein offers to sign the paperwork as he is a doctor, which is odd. Mortimer signs the paperwork as next of kin. The ants have to reveal that he's not actually a Brewster, but rather was the son of a cook who had gotten pregnant on a tramp steamer and ended up marrying their brother. As he's not biologically related, he probably won't have insane children. Elaine breaks into the house, confused by Mortimer's previous proclamation. She comes up from the cellar, having discovered the grave. Mortimer kisses her, and they run off together. Which, to all of that, I can just say, girl, run. <laughs> uh, so you might uh, have some questions about why this is one of my favorite plays. And those of you who know me have zero questions at all. I had no, no questions. I've always loved this play. Uh, I've always loved this movie. I've always loved the insanity of it. I've always loved the energy of it. Uh, I love Mortimer just being exhausted the entire time because same. <laughs> I can relate. I dated a guy who had played Teddy in high school. And uh, I mean, we were generations apart, which was a really bad idea. But anyway, he would run up the stairs and yell charge so yeah i don't find that charming outside of the production that's just a cry for help oh most of his actions were a cry for help i know they're invalid podcast because we're too liberal for him so oh we'll unpack that another time off air yeah we will um uh, <laughs> so 
Fun fact, if you drink Manischewitz elderberry wine, uh, one, it tastes like jam. And two, and here's what I neglected to mention. This is 10% alcohol by volume. So you're feeling pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to have a lovely time uh, ordering takeout and sleeping on my sofa. I will say that I I got the plain Jane potato the other day from, uh, was it Jason Kelly? Yes, from our favorite restaurant. restaurant. And it was one of the most delicious things I've ever eaten in my life. And, and I was I lying when I said it was the size of a small child? Oh, it is the size of a small child. And it served to you like in a trough? Yes. Yeah. It's and you're sitting there the whole time going, I probably shouldn't finish this all, but then you kind of mm. can't help finishing it all. Yeah, because like it's a, it's a big potato. Like it's not going to do well in the fridge. Like, but um, okay, so let's go over some theme and some symbols. Uh, we need to start first with black comedies. Uh, not said because I am black. Oh. I was discussing with a friend about Tyler Perry that he writes black black comedies. <laughs> That's accurate. But that would incite that Tyler Perry is funny, and he is not. I, I feel like Black people feel about Tyler Perry the way British people think feel about a James Corden. Yeah. Like, if we could just excise him and just put him somewhere else. I think my favorite thing about living in Scotland was finding out that people love Groundskeeper Willie, but hate Fat Bastard. I'm not shocked, because, like... For Groundskeeper Willie, it never really felt like a stereotype in a weird way. Like, it just felt like, yeah, this is how they act. Well, Fat Bastard was, I mean, do we even have time to talk about how problematic all those movies are? No. I didn't think so. Like, talk about things that did not age well. Yeah, especially, I had that movie memorized in 97, so. It's so weird. I was watching uh, something about The Mask, and I started to think about Jim Carrey outside of him being an anti-vaxxer. Uh, my friend had mentioned oh yeah like Ace Ventura hasn't aged well and I'm like what about Ace Ventura hasn't aged well it's like oh there's a whole trans thing that's bad oh right I had blocked that from my memory but there's that whole thing that's not handled I'm not even going to say well it's just not handled at all uh, but I had forgotten that I don't know how uh, but yeah, Jim Carrey, uh, also an anti-vaxxer, so don't give him money. What's really awkward is when you're watching movies from the 80s and 90s, and you're like, I loved this movie so much, and then you're just sitting there going, oh my god, that was racist as hell. Oh, no, 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 that's that's really, really sexist. That's terrible. No, 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 please don't say the line I know you're going to say. Uh, I, think if it's, I think if it's done, so like I have that sort of like with Bebe's Kids, we're like that's an incredibly like niche black movie we're like yeah like by today's standards it's very racist but like that's also a beautiful encapsulation of being black and lower class in the 90s so like i think there's i think there's something to be said about yeah we can talk about how this hasn't aged well socially but we also need to leave room for it didn't age well because that's just how things were 30 years ago uh, but to talk about black comedies, uh, they're comedies that usually employ and use uh, darker aspects to still make a funny point. So, for instance, there's a whole lot of murder in here. <laughs> a whole lot of murder and also some serial killer aunties. Because they're serial killers. We have to acknowledge that. Um, 
so there's some great black comedies out there technically rosencrantz and guildenstern is also one yes uh on the technicality pretty much a lot of the things that most people say that they like end up being like a black comedy in a weird way like monty python comes to mind and such like that so those are black comedies poison is used a lot in this Mm -hmm. what i love is that the ants are discussing the poison like they're giving a recipe for a pie Mm -hmm. where it's like we use this much of this and this much of this and this much of this and it just all works together and you're going oh oh what wait that wasn't your berry pie recipe that was just how you just killed 12 people but real poisoners did that yeah like especially the women they did that like they had very meticulously kept notes like the famous poisoner uh i think it's lucretia of rome did that where she had all these like beautiful little notebooks of like it takes this much of this and this much of this and you go out into the woods and you get that weird looking mushroom you know like they did that stuff um poison is often seen as a more feminine way of killing or a more underhanded way of killing because it's hidden uh We'll talk specifically about the types of poison used because those have some symbols and symbolic references as well. Um, what I find the most interesting about this use of poison is as that it's being used in wine. Uh, there's a lot of talk about poisoning wine just in history uh, because wine usually has such a heavy taste to it. It's really, mm-hmm. really easy to slip something in there. And the idea that something that is, you know, homemade and curated uh that could be deadly is a potent social symbol um you, some of you may be old enough to remember uh like glass and apples and poison candy of you know the 90s and stuff like that uh so it really taps into a very central fear that humans have that oh that you know pie my neighbor made might secretly kill me um, especially at around the time this play was written and especially by the time the movie was produced we were starting to get those concerns about things that were not produced and manufactured um, which is a reversal from how it was in the victorian era when manufactured often meant that this bread is mostly glue mm-hmm. we've put uh, a lot of plaster in this yeah there's a great documentary series called a uh, hidden killers of the blank home i definitely recommend uh, hidden killers of the victorian home that's one of my favorites and they talk about that where it's like this milk powder is honestly just sawdust and we wonder why our our child is dead it's like because you've been feeding it sawdust and plaster so one of the people well i guess we're gonna go into to women as well women poisoners murderous old women yes um one of the people that i I don't know if you were referencing her or not but uh julia tofana the woman who poisoned all those people with different makeup products that she had where she would allow the Italian woman who had basically made it set up so women could kill their husbands with yes I was not referencing her initially but I'm happy to reference her uh she's great uh specifically for murders old women honestly I just keep thinking of Dorothea Puente because she's my favorite (laughs) Dorothea Dorothea Puente (laughs) was a tiny old woman in California who was like hey uh, I can make money off of people if they're dead. And she did that. I'm less interested in her actual crimes and more interested in the fact that when she was being investigated, uh, the police had like her whole backyard uh, taped off because there were bodies in the backyard. Of course there were. And, you know, Dorothea Puente, you know, she's looking outside, old woman. She's like, 
oh, can I go down to the hotel to get a cup of coffee? Like I usually do. Apparently she always did that, which blows my mind that you just like go to a hotel and get coffee. It was a different time, by a different time in like the 80s. <laughs> so the police officer is like, sure, I'll walk you down there. Go ahead. We'll get you a cup of coffee. They take her out the back because there's like camera crews and shit like that. You know, she gets her cup of coffee, but the police officer has to go back because they found another body. They found like a hand or something or a torso. They found something. So he leaves her at the hotel and he's like, old lady, just drinking coffee, whatever. Uh, the captain finds out that they left Dorothea Puente alone, even though she's technically under arrest. They have some bodies in the yard, but nothing that can concretely, I'm using air quotes, tie her to the bodies in her own fucking yard, which, sure, uh, and when they go back to the hotel to find her, Dorothea Puente is fucking gone. She bolts <laughs> and is like halfway to the border. <laughs> and it's one of the funniest things is like the dressing down that cop got for letting this old woman go. Because she didn't have to do anything. She's just like, oh, I'd like a cup of coffee, please. And then just gone. I mean, they eventually caught her because she's an old woman. And like, she's she's dead now. Yes, I think she died in prison. There were actually, um, if you follow like murder memorabilia and stuff online, for a while they had some for letters from prison that you could buy, which was weird to me. But yeah, and they, she also like swore her innocence forever. Like she always like it was not me. How else did they get there, Dorothea? Uh, but that's my favorite aspect of the Dorothea Puente story is her just fucking bolting but funny to me too is that like there i mean maybe it's just russia but there are two different granny rippers in russia who were like old women who got away with Mm -hmm. shit for a really long time killing their Mm -hmm. neighbors Mm -hmm. um one of them supposedly like made treats out of the flesh and gave it to people like here's some pot pie or whatever Mm -hmm. um um sanova she actually just died in prison recently from covid so Mm -hmm. anyway yeah there's actually a lot there's a lot more female like serial killers and like murderesses than we really give credit for um especially like what's amazing is women don't tend to get murdery until they're older uh for sources watch any episode of deadly women (laughs) which is what i find really funny because it kind of coincides with conversations i've had with my mom not my mom is not going to kill anyone what i'm saying you know of that i know of she said once you hit about 30 you stop caring as much then Mm -hmm. as you continue to progress through the decades you give no f's whatsoever she was once you hit about 60 65 you just don't care you will say anything that comes to your mind because what the hell is going to happen to you nobody's going to hit an old woman Mm -hmm. no i mean true honestly like that's the shocking thing about it is that like so now i'm almost 31 i have no figs left i already didn't have a bunch because thank you dead parents but like i have even fewer now to the point that like i will just call people out which is dangerous and scary i.e look at a discord server that i'm in look at literally any of them i've gone i've evolved past being shady and i'm teetering on just plain rude the only thing that usually saves me from being rude is that I'm right. That's not even being narcissistic. It's just true. Like the only thing that typically saves me in most of those instances is I am correct. 
and you have the receipts to prove it it's not yeah that's the only thing that saves me from just being frankly a cunt (laughs) is that I'm usually right and I have a box of receipts (laughs) so arsenic right it is an element that exists on earth really we have no idea why it is known as the king of poisons because it is shockingly easy to get a hold of and was ubiquitous for literally thousands of years uh arsenic was has been used as a poison since antiquity uh it is not flavorless or odorless but if you put it in the right thing you cannot really detect it it is also an agonizing way to go Mm -hmm. cyanide is similar except that that is not necessarily naturally occurring but is an easy enough compound additionally ubiquitous and mm, to certain people it leaves the scent of bitter burnt almonds that is not universally true it rarely can be tasted but is also a horrible way to go. Uh, Fun fact, while I was getting my oil changed, I saw a giant thing of antifreeze and I made a reference that I'm pretty sure went completely over the guy's head. I said, I'm not used to seeing antifreeze out like that because antifreeze is another common way that women like to murder their husbands because ethylene glycol is very deadly, but tastes very sweet. So antifreeze is one of those weird products that oftentimes is now like put on shelves and stuff like behind glass because it's a very cheap and easy way to murder your husband, which I am not endorsing. What's really weird is um, to me about the combinations of poisons that they use is they are definitely looking for a quick turnaround. Oh, absolutely. Basically what it does is it keeps oxygen from binding to your hemoglobin. Mm -hmm. So you dye blue, although your lips are usually like this weird cherry red and your tongue is usually red. Mm -hmm. Um, Arsenic can be applied over time. And that's Mm -hmm. why you'll see in um, different movies and stuff, people start getting really sick and losing their hair and throwing up and that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. There's also another one that starts with T that I can't think of. That's in like that movie, The Pale Horse or the book, The Pale Horse. Basically, Agatha Christie knew her poisons really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where it's a little disturbing. And a lot of that was just her time in the, uh, like, working as a, a nurse mm-hmm. um, for wars and stuff, which I would love to do an Agatha Christie book. Anyway. Agatha Christie also faked her own death for attention. Which is amazing to me. That was on an episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yes. Um, another quick note about uh, these poisons <laughs> that I think is noteworthy is that especially during this time again arsenic was super easy to get a hold of because it was often used as a pesticide so if you ever think that using raid is somehow like bad for you nah fam these bitches were using arsenic to get rid of like ants and mice now you basically have to sign a ledger if you're buying it um for that kind of purpose yeah you can still buy it yeah, it's like they have it for, because a guy in San Angelo got caught. I only know this because he killed two people in Lano and I've been to the house. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, he was getting arsenic and claiming that it was to get rid of a coyote problem. 
I mean, that well, would, uh, do it. it wasn't really a coyote problem. He was slowly poisoning two older women who had money called the Norton sisters. And then was also poisoning uh, the noble family in San mm-hmm. Angelo to try and get their money and things signed over. Mm-hmm. So not a good guy and still in prison. Um, we're hopefully he stay forever or die of COVID. Uh, I mean, also could die of heat stroke because Texas prisons are very, very hot. That was a fun John Oliver episode in which by fun, I mean, uh, bad job, Texas. And if ERCOT still has its way, how every Texan will be soon. Uh, my The only application of come and take it uh, that I like is that with an air conditioning little unit. I don't like any other instance of come and take it because uh, a lot of uh, white supremacists love using that as a dog whistle. Uh, also, if you want to have a very, very bad time, there is a 40 minute long documentary that uh, the New York Times did on the Capitol siege. If you want to have a horrifyingly bad time and just hate everything about everyone, I highly recommend you watch that documentary. It is some of the best reporting I've ever seen done, but it also made me violently just want to leave America. My favorite part is when these guys without masks are screaming at cops, we back the blue while beating them with instruments. <laughs> because at least I say a cab before I throw a bottle. Not I'm supporting you <laughs> while hitting you. Yeah, that that was weird. That was really weird. That was... I really hate this like dystopian world we live in where words don't mean things. Uh, there's a follow-up document that Vice did where they actually interviewed a guy who was at the Capitol siege and they were talking about the cops that died, one of the cops that died. And the, and the dude who was there, he was like, yeah, the cop's fine. And the, inter- and the interviewer just cuts them off. The cop's dead. It's like, thank you, Vice, for not letting this guy have his way. Because any other interviewer probably would have been too polite. Like, oh, that's a good perspective. Vice is like, nah, fam, you, y'all you are bad. Y'all are bad and you did bad and all of you should be in jail. Uh, which ties us into delusion. Yeah, which ties us into perfectly to delusion. Uh, Teddy really should have been in a home. I appreciate what these old women are doing, but someone needs to advocate for Teddy's rights. What I found really interesting is them talking about the fact that for a hot minute there, Teddy wasn't Teddy he was like trying to be somebody else and he was miserable Mm -hmm. and so that they just let him continue to be Teddy Roosevelt because that Mm -hmm. was the only time he'd ever really been happy Mm -hmm. I do I do find that I mean there's a part of me that thinks like wow this is actually kind of sweet that they're like letting him live and stuff like that and there's another part of me that's like he needs help (laughs) he needs help someone needs to help him uh which also ties us into things or not as they appear hence why you have a friend who looks like boris karloff and a murderous uh plastic surgeon who i always refer to as einstein and not steen okay i've heard it both ways so i just kind of went with one well he's also it's a german name so i've always heard it as stein uh but that tripped me up while I was listening to you. It's like, I've literally never heard it this way. And for a brief moment, I thought that my entire life I'd been gaslit into hearing the wrong name. 
which shows you the power of my grasp on uh, reality. What's kind of cool is in the movie, he's played by Peter Lorre. He so. is. And it's yes. what, just watch the movie after you're done listening to this episode because we need your ad revenue and money. Uh, <laughs> we need your money, please. Um, but it's a great movie. Also, I have water in a cup. This is Cup of Ambition. So Joseph Kesselring um, is the author of this play. And mm-hmm. this was actually his most popular play. Yes. So this is what really kind of put him in the spotlight. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was born June 21st, 1902. His parents were German immigrants, Mm -hmm. although his mother was also an English Canadian. So I'm not really sure how that works. Um, Mm -hmm. Kessel Ring spent a lot of time in the theater, including 1922, where he started teaching vocal music and he directed plays at Bethel College in Kansas. Can we talk about non-vocal music? I don't know what non-vocal music is. I guess it's just regular music with no singing. Because, like, my brain... So my brain can process that. But by phrasing it that way of vocal music, what is non-vocal music? Do you mean, like, Mongolian throat singing? Like, is that what you're discussing? Because if that's the case, I'm fine. I just need to understand what non-vocal music is. I think in this particular case, he was teaching singing, but they wanted to make it sound more classy. Because when I Google non-vocal music, everything is just instrumental. So was he just teaching instrumental music, which is just music? <laughs> I, th- I think he was just teaching singing. And then, uh, <laughs> but they wanted to make it look cool, especially because he was doing plays as well. I guess so. Go ahead. So he was, uh, when he was in college, it was when we had a lot of issues with the Germans. <laughs> World War One, World War Two, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, there was a great deal of concern in the U.S. about people from other countries as the country started focusing on isolationism. Um, there are still issues with people from other countries in America. Oh, it's it's a whole thing. It's a whole it is. thing. We've just moved from Germans to people from the Middle East and uh, Latin America, where we yeah. have caused a lot of the problems. Thumbs up. Hi. Thanks, history. <laughs> Uh, there's nothing like reading a bunch of stuff on the cold war uh to realize what your country has done and then oh my gosh breaking news robert e lee has been removed from charlottesville they took down his statue four years after a uh shut up (laughs) let us have this (laughs) so basically uh kesselring was looked at with a lot of suspicion because his parents were german um when he was at bethel college he was actually living in a boarding house called the gora's house Um, He based the living room that the Brewster sisters live in um, from his experience in the boarding house. Mm -hmm. But today that home has actually been changed to where the Bethel College president lives. Oh. Uh, At 31, he ended up marrying a woman named Charlotte. And a year into their marriage, he managed to devote his time to writing plays and short stories, which either he was doing really well or Charlotte had money. Um, As stated, Arsenic and Old Lace is his most popular play and the most successful I got a lot of praise. Uh, one critic said that the Herald Tribune called it the most riotlessly co- hilarious comedy of the season. And one critic said, you wouldn't believe homicidal mania could be so funny. I would, but I also have trauma. Um, as stated, the play actually was adapted into a film with Cary Grant in 1945. Um, mm-hmm. It has been done in a lot of different languages, including mm-hmm. Yiddish and Tel Aviv in 2012. 
Pakistani in 2016, mm -hmm. and you know, in the Australian accent as well. Um, Kesselring died November 5th, 1967 in New York. Mm -hmm. His widow, Charlotte Kesselring, ended up doing a lot of stuff with his memory. She funded the Joseph Kesselring Prize for the National Arts Club to provide funds for upcoming playwrights. Mm -hmm. And one of those playwrights was Tony Kushner. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of people know him. I will also include a link from Find a Grave so you can see what his grave looks like. Yes. Uh, which reminds me of a joke that I saw on TikTok today, which was, what is the uh, composer of the Star Spangled Banner, Joseph Souza, doing in his grave? Decomposing. Yes. <laughs> I think you sent that to me. And I was like, nope. Uh, I refuse to suffer alone. <laughs> but that joke also took about a year off my life. So there are a lot of resources for, well, not really that Let's say another word. I have to put, I have a whole bunch more that I have to put in. Because I slacked. Um, I will put up the YouTube link to the play performance, which is basically just an audio. Mm -hmm. um, because you can either buy this book or you can listen to it for free. Anyhow, mm -hmm. so I found that it's really nice having somebody else read it to you. As it far is. As the film, the film was actually directed by Frank Capra. Mm -hmm. Some fun side notes about that is that um, he originally was going to release the play or the play. It was released the movie, but it got held back because of the war, um, mm -hmm. World War II. And then he found out later that it had been privately screened to some soldiers because one of them came up to him and yelled, charge, and like ran towards the stairs. And he went, so you've seen my movie. <laughs> like so i assume you've seen my work so it's your birthday month mm -hmm. so i i see what our next book is mm -hmm. and i'm also giving you side eye mm -hmm. but i've already downloaded it from the library so mm -hmm. do you want to tell the people what you're forcing us to read we're reading the hunchback of notre dame by victor hugo victor motherfucking hugo I've never read it before, so this should be interesting. It's not fun as a read. You know that this just means that Tolstoy is back on the table for December, right? I never assumed he was off. I've been I can't get him down. <laughs> this is Tolstoy dancing on a table. Which reminds me, I need the Disney Plus uh, codes again because I got a new phone. Oh, okay. I will send them over to you. Yeah, Amanda finally got a new phone, guys. What kind of phone did you get? Another. I got the, at the Galaxy S21. Ooh, I didn't know we were up to 21 now. We skipped after like 10. Okay. But for comparison, I had an S7. <laughs> so Amanda finally got a new phone. It uses biometrics that I hate, uh, but it also makes me feel uncomfortable because sometimes it says press a little harder and I'm waiting for my phone to call me daddy. <laughs> I just read this book by Ruth Ware where they had a guy die and he had, they we're trying to get into his phone with biometrics so they had to use his finger and i'm sitting there going i can't even get it to read my finger when i haven't been decomposing for two days come on you get your hand a little bit wet good luck right like you just, uh, if i have my thumb at any angle that isn't exactly where that sensor is i have no thumb according to this very expensive piece of technology that is also the size of a brick <laughs> 
my kids phone and my husband they both have the face recognition and i, I don't hate trust that it to do that because i a lot of people tell me that they see people who look like me a lot so i'm like no i don't need some person using my face i don't get that a lot which is comforting but also somewhat isolating uh so I don't know why, but I opened up DoorDash probably because there's a portion of me that's tipsy and I want food. But there's two place, there's three places that I was recommended, which is Thigh Stop, which is Wingstop's new a chicken thigh only brand because chicken wings are too expensive right now. Oh, Sweet Tooth Kingdom, and Snack Attack. So thank you DoorDash for assuming that I am high. You're close. <laughs> Just intoxicated, but not not. Yeah, I'm tipsy. I am not high, but thank you for assuming. I greatly appreciate it. Um, so yeah, we're reading Hunchback and Notre Dame. Uh, also, we might adopt another gargoyle. We might fuck around and adopt another gargoyle. I love the gargoyles. I love our gargoyle. Uh, so thank you for joining me on part one of my birth month. Uh, me and my small kidney appreciate it. <laughs> you and your small kidney are going to go have some more water and a break. <laughs> me and my small kidney are going to take a nap. Me and Frederick are going to take a nap. Now I feel like I should name my diseased ovaries. Yeah, like, I mean, I really feel like it helps because now if I ever have like pants, like, damn it, Frederick, like, it's just, it's beneficial because otherwise it's just like sad, random, and capricious. But if I give it a name, it like makes it better. I don't know why. It's probably because of trauma. Uh, it's probably trauma related. <laughs> but uh, where can the good people find us? So we're all over social media. We're at Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately RR on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately Required on Instagram, which we've put up a picture of what this wine looks like. So if you're interested. Still tastes like jam. Still tastes like jam. And mm-hmm. uh, if you are like me and lazy and just want to go to one place where you can find everything, unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com. And if you want to reach us with questions, concerns, funny stories, pictures. What concerns? I don't know. Whose um, concerns? We're at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to support us uh, monetarily and join the Wine and Cheese Fund, you may do so at anchor.fm slash unfortunatelyrequiredreading. Your monetary support is not mandatory, but is greatly appreciated. It is at this time that we'd like to thank our continuing subscribers who help keep the lights on physically and metaphorically without your support we would not be able to do what we do which is a lie because we'd still be petty assholes even without a podcast platform i had a friend today say it'd be really fun maybe to someday be on your podcast and i had to like stop and be like um do you know how uh (laughs) how crazy we get also you don't give us money so (laughs) You haven't bought a ticket to gain our attention yet. I need Baron Von Cheese plate back on here at some point. Oh, you know he's going to listen to this and you know he's going to say that he wants to. So uh-huh. don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I can't wait to make Tori read uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame in uh, 14 days. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I know that the Disney version is different, but my brain is already playing Hellfire in my brain, so... Your brain is playing it in your brain. Mm-hmm. It has a so little like music department. Oh, okay. Because I was imagining like a smaller brain inside the brain. 
So I like to tell people that uh, there is a small portion of my brain that destroys everything. Accurate. Um, and that's that's where the depression and anxiety lives. They like to cause problems. I believe it's up here in the prefrontal cortex. But anyway. You know what? Um, that's actually not super false uh, when it comes to actual evolutionary biology. Also, it's the amygdala that houses our irrational but rational fear of large birds. Yeah, my amygdala is trying to kill me on a regular basis. Hashtag same. Uh, so yeah, email us if you want to like hang out or whatever i don't know uh guys the pandemic isn't over just because you're over it get vaccinated uh i am way too close to the tuskegee syphilis study when it comes to family and my entire family is still vaccinated literally we have the grandest of excuses to be leery of the government and shots and we all still got it if you are continuing to use my family's name and trauma to raise a banner against vaccines you are wrong, and if I ever find you, I'm kicking you in both shins. And Amanda will do it. I absolutely will. 150%. Uh, the pandemic is not over, and being vaccinated is great. Uh, it comes with a free 5G subscription and Spotify premium with your implant chip. I'm in constant communication with Elon Musk and Jeffrey Bezos. Jeffrey says hello. See, I want to be friends with a guy from Virgin. Richard Halliday? Not Halliday. Whatever. No, like Virgin the Plains and stuff. Yes. It's Richard Bronson, isn't it? Bronson, yes. He okay. is from uh, Ready Player One. Um, I was like, that's also not a person. He's a, <laughs> that's, that's what my brain was like. That's not a real person. Bronson is uh, has stated that he is now trying to beat both Bezos and musk to space so they will shut up and um my favorite has been uh the conspiracy theory that bezos keeps adding influential people to his space flight because they were just going to leave him up there <laughs> so he keeps adding people that we need like the rock and stuff to his space flight as like insurance so we have to bring him back down but i'm fully team leave him up there yeah I mean, especially he's no longer CEO of Amazon. I mean, is the Mir space station still holding on? Uh, I have some bad news for you. When did the I Mir have some unfortunate news. Wow. Hold on. I have to check. I'm pretty sure it's not, but... For some oh, reason... It's, it's hanging out. It's not doing... Nope, it's gone. Okay, I was going to say, if I remember correctly, it was getting ready to collapse but now Sorry. i'm like looking it, it up. stopped in 2001 oh okay what year do you think it is right now 1986 <laughs> like what <laughs> what it stopped in 2001 victoria it's been gone <laughs> so oh, what you're saying thing. is i could probably get a mere space station patch pretty cheap off ebay uh probably I don't see why not. If I can get weird, if I can get weird Sanrio stuff, uh, then I'm sure you can get that very inexpensively because eBay is a magic wonderland that shouldn't exist. You know, the one that's not on the dark web. <laughs> I found a $5 Tesla coil kit on Amazon. <laughs> Are you going to build a Tesla coil in your house? Not for $5. That sounds like a great way to end. 
to electrocute yourself. It's like, hey, do you want to burn your house down for $5? Get a $5 Tesla kit off the internet. Do you want to do arson but accidentally? You mean crime brulee? Yes, it is a crime brulee. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. I'm going to go order something with a lot of cheese and probably bacon, which might just be a plain Jane. I think I'm just going to order a plain Jane. Do it. See you guys in 14 days where we get to talk about Hunchback. <laughs> Bye. Bye.